You did a case study on our website, which I've heard so many people rave about. The one that you showed, I think it was for Whereby, where you showed the different components and how you structured them, which got people so excited. I'm like, oh my God. You know, designers are like, I want to know how to do this. But I think clients who saw that were yeah. like, oh my God, I want to manage my website this way. Yeah, so the, I don't even know how you got into all of this, like design, web design. Like what's what's your story? How do you got to run your own studio? How did you become so good and famous? <laughs> it's Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a long story that goes back uh, quite a few years. So now, yeah, I, I run my own studio, but I got my start. Like, I mean, like all stories, it started with, you know, a 12-year-old kid with like a cracked version of Photoshop, <laughs> um, yep. starting with the graphic design and just poking around and watching you know, YouTube tutorials. By the way, this this is just a hint about your age, because the people growing up right now are not are just starting with a normal Figma, free version of Figma. They're not cracking anything. True. <laughs> I don't think people these days okay. even know what is to crack a software. Or even know what Photoshop is beyond like maybe exactly. like generative exactly. fill, right? Exactly. So before Figma, there was Sketch. <laughs> before Sketch, <laughs> um, we used to use Photoshop to design software, not using vector, total raster software. And you would save in Photoshop a new file for every like version of a design that you did. It would be a PSD and, you would and each one would be the like layers, a few hundred megabytes. The layers. If you would want to have multiple yeah. pages, you would group the layers, and then there was a feature called, I guess, layer stack. Layer comps it's called to show and hide. Layer comps. Yeah, layer comps exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you can hide and show pages. That was so backwards. Yeah, and then you'd save it All as right. a JPEG. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, back. Yeah, I was twelve, just doing like you know classic, just like design stuff, like getting inspired by like sports and music, just doing like stuff like that. And then MySpace came along, another relic that a lot of people these days probably don't know about. But yeah, it's social network before Facebook, um, where it was amazing. It was like the Android of social networks where like you could just customize everything. They give you like full control to just add all your HTML and CSS and the layouts. So for like the average person that was on there, it was like, you could just like make your page look kind of aesthetic or sad, whatever that was at the time. But there's also a huge opportunity for like bands. So like I was big in the, in the music scene growing up outside of Toronto and there was a lot of bands that basically they would pay these big studios to like, or big studios. At the time they seemed like big studios, but they would pay these studios to like build them MySpace layouts. So they'd be like proper, like you wouldn't have a website, you'd have a MySpace page, custom code, whatever. So this is all like all code. You just like, you know, inspect it or viewed the page source and then you just kind of take that and you just reverse engineer it. You're like, oh, I can take this and then. I'll go in Photoshop and change this image and now have this layout and it works. And so yeah, I was 12 when I first got my like my first like freelance gig. I got paid like a hundred bucks from a band to like make the MySpace layout, design it and build it. So from there I got the itch. I'm like, okay, I guess this is like I'm going down this path. And then yeah, just like from there, I knew what I was doing. Uh and then by the time I was 15, I I was in high school and uh everybody was getting like internships or like co-op placements was an internship at the time. Just say it like random places. Wait, does high uh, school high school helps you get playment, placement in the kind of like somewhere after high school for after high school? That's how it works? Um, no. So, I mean, I guess it's different in every country. But in Canada, um, basically, you, you have the opportunity to, to do a co-op placement where you're basically like inserted into a job that you find that will take you that doesn't pay you, uh, but pays when you credits. When you're 15, credits. 16. So it's, when you're 15, 16, but, so like wait, people that's are like not literally uni, one. That's not uni or college. That's just like. Like normal high school. Just, yeah, just high school. Yeah. Just like okay. give you a taste of, typically I think it's like a taste of like a potential career path. 
right? And That's then you crazy. get credits, you don't get paid. So like, there's incentive for people to obviously hire you. So like, I had friends that were doing it at like probably like a gym or like literally one guy was like dishwashing, which is a weird choice for co-op placement. But um. <laughs> I think I'm going to have a career as a dishwasher. <laughs> Let me see how yeah. that feels like. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like into design. So my, my teacher was like, okay, we'll get you into like a, a design shop. So like she found like a print shop and this is like outside of, outside of Toronto in a small town. It was a print shop. And I'm like, I think I can like aspire bigger to this. So I found a place in Toronto and a design agency called one method. And how did you I find them? them? I just literally just Googled like just best agencies, Toronto shout out one method. That's good. Uh, they were That's one good. of them. And, uh, yeah, I like reached out on Twitter and just like, hey, like, do you take internships, whatever. A bit of a story there. But anyways, we got set up and then I didn't even like interview. They're just like, yeah, great. I saw your portfolio. Let's do this. I like show up the first day and they're like, what, what, by, what? by the way, what was your portfolio back then? Did you have like a website? Was it like oh, it was folder, just, PDF? Like, No, it was a website. And the way I built it, actually, I think I hired, I built it in Photoshop and then I hired a PSD to HTML company to build it <laughs> for me cool. for like couple yeah. hundred bucks but yeah i showed up and they're like you're a kid i'm like well yeah they're like no we thought you like you were in university like we thought this is like a a college placement i'm like oh well i'm here <laughs> so yeah i was 15 and then i was just like you know just started working there doing all like the grunt work at first and then i stayed there for five years uh left I, when i was 20 as a senior eventually. designer <laughs> oh no i actually got so the first semester i i, I got just co-op credits, so I didn't get paid. And then after that ended, it was the summertime. So then they're like, "Hey, we want to keep you on." So I'm like, "Okay." We just like just signed on as like for payment. And then uh, the following year, back to school, and I basically got paid and got credits. <laughs> so with that, I was working cool. there so much that I was able to graduate early because I had so many credits like banked up from them. And then I just like graduated, and then they're like, "Yeah, like just work here full time." So I'm like, "Okay, well, I could." do this or I could go to school, graduate, and then hope to get a job here full time again. So like, I might as well just learn from experience instead of paying and getting myself in debt. What kind of work were they doing? So I, I, it was pretty widespread as far as like the disciplines go. A lot, I, software wise, I was touching everything. And then now luckily we, I don't have to deal with all those, that software, but you know, it was in Photoshop, it was in design, it was in uh, even some After Effects stuff, uh, but it was a lot of, a lot of digital stuff. So it was predominantly like, websites branding um some like tv stuff um some ad campaigns um a mix of like advertising and and like uh digital stuff so oh and like we made like a clothing line <laughs> um there's a lot of stuff that's amazing of like a and, very uh, broad experience instead of going to school you just yeah like, so kind of like experiencing real world project in each discipline yeah and that, that was great too because I, I basically like got exposed to everything so i can decide where I was having fun and where my strong suits were. And I think pretty soon into it, it, it became, it was like the branding, the web stuff, but I think more so the web stuff that was really uh, my strong suit. So from there, also one of the highlights, we, we pitched on the Tr Toronto Raptors rebrand. So I was what like a designer that? on that. That was like a dream come true. So the Toronto Raptors, it's an NBA team uh, in okay. Toronto. Like oh, cool. Cool, cool, uh, cool. So yeah, just like a, a kid from Toronto, just like pitching for that. That was super cool. Nice. And you got yeah, it? Yeah, that led you to won? other things, but... No, no, we didn't win it. Okay. <laughs> we didn't get it. Very cool. That would have been, yeah, been cool. Very cool. But yeah, just like being exposed to the, all those different disciplines and and the different like subsets of like did you have, who, So who did you learn well. there? Did you have like 
an art director boss were you were you in meetings with clients like what what do you get exposure to and and mentorship for yeah there yeah like i mean the owner of it um the men he was yeah there the whole time taught me a bunch of stuff as far as like just like really high level design and like crafting my taste and stuff like that and then just like art directors and creative directors that you work with that get in, into the nitty gritty and like you know giving a lot of good feedback and eventually like throughout my time obviously when i started there i wasn't in client meetings but i ended up yeah like just as a senior designer yeah working with clients and just taking full reign and and all that so uh yeah it was, it was a great time that definitely like launched me into kind of my next phase at that point i, have to I, was say, like, I, I hey. also started i also started at the bottom of an advertising agency and i had a boss who would print anything we design even if it was just like whatever he would print it and then he oh, would yeah. have a ruler to see if everything is aligned and, no and if it wasn't aligned, if there was a line kind of like moving, he would kind of like yell at you and, you know, you would get a strike or something like that. And that, it, it's not so stupid today, but it, it really got me into like, just making sure that everything is aligned before I send it to the client. So I do think there's That's actually so a lot of, a lot of good things into like starting at the bottom at the grunt work. I think today it's very easy. You know, everybody's on Twitter. It's making six figure in 90 days. And it's like, oh, I want to start at the top. Oh, yeah. Everybody else on Twitter. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. You get you get humbled real quick. And that's still a thing today where like I think a lot of people, you know, they think they can skip that process of like doing like putting in the work and like really like doing all that grunt work, like you said. Um, And then somebody comes in with the ruler and you get humbled. Right. <laughs> so at, um, at what point yeah. did you, when did you decide to kind of like leave or why, um, why, think, and when? Um, I mean, I always had the ambition just to like work for myself, you know, why? coming out of like in that position, I was, I was excited to like get the experience there, but I don't know. I, I think cause my, my parents are both entrepreneurs and just mm-hmm. seeing that the life they've set up for themselves, just having that flexibility and just really just like having control of, of, your time is the biggest thing. And then also working in advertising, you don't really have control over your work <laughs> yeah, in, in two ways. One is like, you don't get to decide what you work on. And then two is just the quality of this kind of the quality of work that you can deliver when you are the person that controls the work that goes out of the door. That That's a nice feeling to have, to be able to own that full thing, as opposed to just being one piece uh, where you don't have control over the end. So there's obviously a lot of pieces that go into it. The who who is it, who is setting the bar for the control? Like the agency manager or the client? Who do you blame for not having it's, higher standards? Not blame, but it's, you know who's responsible. That, that's the thing. It's like you can't. No, I, you can't blame one person because the it, it all comes down to like time and budget and deadlines yeah, and stuff for right? sure. So it's like, but that's always true. That's all, also true when you're you have your own business. Yeah, but when you have your own business, you can eat those hours yourself. And nobody's going to tell you like that it, you've gone over. Right? You could, you like mean, if I'm putting in, you can choose to be less profitable. Is what you mean? <laughs> yeah, but and you set those timelines to make sure that and expectations to make sure all that stuff goes out, right? But also with where we're at today, I think it's just a lot easier to to put that extra mile in uh, compared to what it was before. But yeah, you can't point it to one person because what was the process yeah. like getting started on your own? How did you do that? It was relatively smooth, but I mean, I don't remember too much about like the projects that I had right after. It was just like, I have a few freelance clients here and there. And then it was probably about, I don't know if it was a full year, or a few months. Were I had you, a friend that worked. Did you start freelancing before you quit your job or were you like, okay, I'm going to make this transition quit and then figure it out. Um, I've always freelanced 
like I, I never stopped freelancing yeah. or like doing side gigs. So it's like, I always just had stuff on the side and then I just kind of picked that up more. Um, so I had a few like projects, like nothing too big. And then I had a friend who had worked at uh, Kijiji, which is a, again, at the time it was an eBay owned company. So it was like the eBay classifieds, like Gumroad and, or no, sorry, Gumtree. Yeah, Gumroad is the, right. the platform now. Sorry, Gumtree yeah. is the, there's different versions of it in different countries. Right. Anyway, so yeah, they were looking for somebody to like rehaul their their design or like make a design system for them at the time, whatever, however they envisioned that to be. Uh, but basically like their platform had, it was like not that many levels up from a Craigslist. So they're like, we need some some visual help. And then, so that yeah, was kind of like a big project. Was this a retainer yeah. or a one-time project? Initially, it was just like, yeah, we just need somebody for like three months to come in and like just, you know, leave us in, in a good position as far as the design system goes. And they didn't, they're building a design team. So it was more so like, we're going to hire people to maintain this, just have somebody come lead it. Um, and then that, like a lot of stories with those contracts, like that turned into three years of, of work. Yeah. So from there, like it, when I was in advertising, like you get a lot of experience, like just doing design stuff. And a lot of that is like, just make it look good. Like we're just selling sexy things. Right. And then made the transition into let's make it work good. Yeah, um, product so that's like really, <laughs> Hey, people actually need yeah, to use so, this. Yeah. That's where I basically like was really like cutting my teeth on the product design side of things and the full spectrum of, of UX and within that as well, like finding out where my strong suits were along that spectrum. Um, and then, yeah, just how life is just like about... gathering all those things along the way, you know? Yeah. How, how are you thinking about freelancing versus agency but, or like studio? Cause you got like a studio name. Was that, did you kind of like have that in mind to begin with? Like, Oh, I want to build something bigger than just me or. Yeah. I think, like you can only do, do you have I mean, a team by the way the do, you, do you have other you people can only working so with much you? yourself yeah so so mod is actually our structure is probably not uncommon today i think a lot of people are doing it this way now we've been doing this like pre-covid so at the time it was a bit of a new idea but we have like a, just a small handful of people that are like that are mod like the leadership team and then basically we have like a long like a long list of people that we tap into for each project so yeah, we don't have like crazy yeah. overhead and, and salaries and uh, any like large commitments. It's just, like we're a core team and then whatever the project needs, we bring these people so on. So who, who is on the core is, like, team the right, and how did, the right person. How, did you, how did you get to this core team? Like who's on the core team? Um, so it's a mix of like basically like design, development, copywriting, and like kind of more of like the creative direction, kind of like uh, the uh, manager, like kind of directing the ship and like bringing in business and you know, uh, taking care of everything. So we, we all met back at, like in advertising or a few of us anyways. And then we were all just kind of doing our own thing. And it was just kind of, kind of clicked where it's like, we can be doing a lot more together, but we didn't want to give up those, uh, you know, the things that we loved about running our own businesses. So it's like more so let's run our own businesses together. <laughs> if that makes sense where we still get those benefits and we can still like pull together as a team and, and make some cool stuff and, and really like synergize that way. So wait, so was it you left your work, started running your own business and then kind of like joined together with them? Or was this the idea from, from the start? Hey, let's all leave or do this together. No, the, the former, it was more so we were all just doing our own thing and that it wasn't, that wasn't the plan all along, uh, but it just kind of fell in the place and it was kind of like a, it, it doesn't make sense not to do this kind of thing. Nice. And so, so yeah, that, mod how now long are you is, doing it? Does it work well? Uh, yeah, it's been a couple of years. Um, 
yeah, it, it's great. I, I think it's, again, it's, it still gives us that flexibility of just like, this is our own shit that we have, you know, responsibility for. And we're putting out things under mod, uh, as far as like, you know, obviously we're doing client stuff as services, um, and we're putting out all the framework stuff that I'm doing is like, you know, a subset of mod. Um, even though it's just kind of like my ownership as well as like the framework commerce thing about, um, which is bringing Shopify into framer through like components as well as building some nice templates. That was me and, uh, my developer at mod. So, you know, different people have different ownership of different things, but it's all under that, that mod name. Uh, but financially, is it just like all the money comes in there and it's split between you or just like, how did, how does it work financially? Yeah. Financially it's, it's really, it's still like we own our own companies. So it's really just more of a holding, a, a visual thing. Um, so we're, uh, still kind of just billing directly to that company. But if you work with a client, does the, the, the client pays you and then you pay the people who help you or do they pay mod and then people get salaries and stuff like that? Uh, it all goes through mod and then depending on, yeah, who worked on the project, they would get paid out in their own way. Got it. Got it. Okay. So it's not, it's the, the pay is based on the work that you did. It's not like a fixed salary or just like, yeah, exactly. Or something. Yeah. Interesting. Does that, does that cause friction or I'm asking because I, I I know that I, I, I had multiple friends who had multiple studios. I've, I've never run a studio. I only had, you know, worked on my own with, with, you know, collaborators, which is quite simple, but I've seen friends with studios that were, you know, initially, Hey, we'll split everything 50, 50. And then oh, I'm too busy, you're going to do that. And one guy feels like he's working more than the other guy. And it's like, why are we splitting? It's, it caused a lot of friction to for every project to think about who did what and what's the the equal or the the fair share, I would say. As far as, you know, as the project comes in, it's pretty clear cut ahead of time. It's like, I'm getting this, you're getting this, you're getting this. This is what we agree to. And that's what we get paid out. So there hasn't been any friction that way because there's not really much ambiguity between projects. And you've mentioned that now you're exploring working for equity. How does that Yes, yeah, so we're actually, we're about to sign a contract with um, this company called Sabotica out of uh, Vancouver. Really interesting company. They do uh, food robotics, but it's not like robot arms or anything like that. It's more of a, like a modular kitchen setup that automates dispensing of like salads and, and bowls and stuff. So it's a super cool, like robotics company. They reached out to us to basically like become the design and marketing arm of their company. So we're taking that on uh, in exchange for equity. So services for equity. As, as is, kind of a, uh, like a long-term partnership. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Instead yeah, of really pay or on top of pay? Instead of pay. So yeah. So this is where like we've, you know, fortunately had, had a couple of good years. We're in the position now to one, like obviously it's nice to be able to position yourself and only take on the work that you want to take on. But then now we're taking on work and yeah, literally not getting paid. <laughs> until hopefully, you know, there's that point down the road that, where we'll get paid nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting model. I have to say when I worked in an agency and we, the agency I worked in actually had this model in a way. And I, and we worked with a lot of startups and a lot of investors and you know the term an angel investor, right? You know it? Yeah. It's like a, yeah, usually like a person who is rich and is just like writing checks. And yeah. when I worked there, I kind of had a vision. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a design angel investor because I don't have money. I don't have a lot of money, but I have my design skills and I can invest in startups that I want to invest in. Uh, so that was kind of like my vision. That, uh, But after a few years working with startups and seeing the, the failure rate, I actually 
realize <laughs> it's actually and actually realize that even VCs, you know, venture capitalists, <laughs> most of the time are losing money. Uh, I realize it's actually a pretty risky proposition. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering how it will go for you. Yeah. I think if I would do it again, I'd probably say I'm going to give you a discount on the price for equity, but I would still probably try to cover something. Yeah. And and to be clear, there's a lot of due diligence that went into this deal. And it's it I'm not yeah. suggesting this for a lot of people to to go into that. No, no, it's especially like by on, the way, on it's, larger term term deals. But I do have to we do have to talk about the upside because there is definitely an upside and it's it's a very famous story. I don't know if you know this story, but the guy who did graffiti in the original Facebook offices yeah. took equity and he just like he made like nineteen million dollars or something for doing the graffiti on the Facebook office. So obviously it does when it pays out it pays out really nicely and it's it's worth yeah. having a, a couple of lottery tickets when you know it's a lottery ticket uh but it's it's always mm -hmm. nice to have a few of them in the back pocket i think and i think that's where like the the term lottery ticket i think is appropriate where one like obviously like there's so many things out of your control and there's there's it is a lottery ticket but i think the biggest criteria beyond all the due, due diligence that we put into it to make sure that you know we're in a good position and it's a good company and we believe in them and all that stuff. We don't take on any equity for things that we don't have control over as far as the, the things that we can control. So by us taking equity, we're basically saying we're going to have control over the design of the products, over the brand, over the marketing, because we believe in ourselves. I've done some deals in the past where just as like, just me personally, I've taken on uh uh, that mix that you said of like equity and, and cash for a couple of different companies. And it was just like a small subset of like design. And that's yeah, where small project. I, I don't and think you I move on really... and then, yeah. Yeah. And that's more of a lottery because it's really just like, Hey, I did my part. You go like figure out the rest, but I didn't have control over like every component that I could touch. And I think for me, just being like having that standard, it, it just sucks to see what could be and it not reaching its full potential. So with this deal, we're making sure that, you know, as, as much luck as there is in, in those deals, we have as much control as we can to like make things happen. Yeah, that's interesting. I think in general, the world moves into, into these kinds of, we talked about the model where you're collaborating with a lot of people. It's not like the normal model of employees in a company and that's it. It's a lot more ownership based, you know, people are getting equity and they, they have more incentive to work with you long-term because I want to succeed or profit sharing. That's also something that I think is becoming more kind of like an interesting model. So yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting. And I think more designers should definitely try to think in this. I think the problem is a lot of times what I found is good entrepreneurs usually think highly of their company and they don't want to give away equity. Why? Because they, they think they have, they really believe that it's going to be worth a lot of money. They would rather give you money than give you equity. While bad entrepreneurs, or not bad, but maybe desperate entrepreneurs are like, hey, I'm going to give you equity because I can't pay you right now. And they're just trying to you know, get the work done for free. And I think yeah. at least I've heard a lot of designers who got offered equity. And that would, to me, kind of like a red flag. You know, from my experience, when I worked with really good entrepreneurs and I told them as part of a negotiation, hey, I want equity. They were like, really, <laughs> it was hard. They were like, okay, we're willing to consider that, but 
Number one, you're not going to get paid or you're going to give us a huge discount. Number two, you know, you're going to work. Let's commit that you're going to work with us for the long term. They were really picky about, you know, hey, if we're putting you on the cap table, right? If you're going to be an owner of equity in our company, we want to make sure that you're a good fit and that it's going to be great for us as well. So yeah, the point is, I think it's really good, but you need to, as you mentioned, do your due diligence and, and make sure that it's not just somebody trying to get the work for free, but it's actually a partnership. And yeah, but in, in what you're telling me, it sounds like a really great partnership because you can be their marketing side, long-term, uh, you can, you have an impact on the business itself. Yeah. sounds really cool. Yeah. I think the, uh, uh, the partnership's a big, big angle and that was a big part of what, like what we're going through during that, like the negotiations was the fact where there isn't any cash at play. Basically the incentive for us to put out good work is like the biggest thing. And like that trust there is really important because if you were to like sign a big contract for like a year with the company, it's like this giant, uh, like cash sum, then that's really like really hard to trust that you're going to deliver on the value of that because I could, you know, throw in the towel, collect the paycheck and screw somebody over. But when it's, when it's a partnership, uh, it's, it's exactly that. And there's like full incentive to actually like put out the, the best work possible. By the way, it's, I wonder what you're thinking about that. When you're working with a client who is not paying, it's true that in this case, they're giving equity. My experience, and again, not experience when they're giving equity, but just when clients, you're doing work for free, clients seem to be less engaged because they're not, yeah, they're not risking. They're like, oh, he's working for free. Let's see what he does. If we like it, great. If we don't. Now, I don't know if it's the same case because in this case, they are, you know, giving equity, which is painful. But are you worried that, you know, they're going to lack commitment because there's no pay? Uh, not at all. This, like, this is their baby, right? Like, this is what they're putting all their time and and money and and their entire days into. Yeah, I'm not worried about that at all. <laughs> so you've mentioned you're you're also kind of doing like a mental shift in general from moving from building your time to thinking about other models. So what else do you have? Yeah, so on the plate. Yeah, a lot of like just you know equity where I can get it, um, building brand equity, <laughs> a different kind of equity, but you know trying to do a lot more on social media. And what is what does brand equity means for you? It's just being able to like building up your brand equity is basically building up your your credibility and being for mod for the studio or for you, Matt, uh, it's kind of one of the same, like mod isn't on social media, right? I am the social media extent of mod because every other agency or studio, it's like, what are you, what are you sharing that is really bringing value to people that was like, you can do on like a consistent basis. Right. But we, we haven't talked about how mod is getting clients and you've mentioned partly that maybe there's somebody in the team that is responsible for doing, I don't know if sales calls or, or getting clients. Mm -hmm. So what does, what does that look like in general? Yeah, I think for him, it's, I mean, it's just, it's more classic biz dev. So it's, it's really just like spending the years that he's spent in the industry, having these connections and nurturing those and, you know, keeping an ear to the ground on, on opportunities and stuff like that. And. Fortunately, we're in the position now where we're more selective about the kind of projects that we take on and the clients we take on. Um, so there's that side of things, again, the more traditional. And then Twitter has become uh, just a, a great platform for, uh, yeah, like getting leads and getting clients. That's where I'm saying, like, I'm kind of the the social media arm of, of mod because I can actually, like, personally bring value to people with, like, framer content and tutorials and stuff like that. Like I said, like, does a, that, does that lead to client doing, doing framework content leads to client? 
yeah, I think the best, the best thing you can do is just put out knowledge and education, especially for free, because you're not only like, obviously like helping people and building a community, but you're also just like establishing yourself as, as the person that knows how to do this stuff and is a leader in that space. Right. Um, so I think that's actually the biggest thing that I want to do more of is just like putting out stuff for free and like really like giving value to people. Cause I know it's going to come back to me in other ways. And that's a very like fulfilling way to do things where you can give and yeah, give back in other it's ways. It's marketing you know? through value. Yeah. 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 Marketing through service. I, I like that as well. Yeah. That's basically what we do in flux, you know? And, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But weirdly enough, weirdly enough for me personally, you know, I was doing, I was doing content, a lot of content, but I wasn't thinking about this as, I don't know, as marketing, you know, it was just, when I started my YouTube channel, it was just vlogging for fun and it helped me build a, a an audience of designers, but it did not lead to client work, but maybe, I don't know, maybe if I would do it today, it would be different. Yeah. But, yeah. I no, I, I had that was a big thing for me. Like before, even like before I started doing anything on social media, it was like, who's my audience? Because if it's designers, like that's great. I'll have to sell things to designers to see a return on that. Or is it clients? But if it's like if it's clients, it's like, what am I, what am I giving them? Right? Like consistently, that isn't really just stuff for designers or creatives. I was really stuck in that for a while, and like. Because of that, I basically wouldn't do anything. And then one of my tweets blew up when I, uh, I just posted a video of like one of the, the framer sites I built, like one of the first ones I did and it blew up, got like over hundred something thousand views, uh, got a bunch of followers from that. And I'm like, oh, I could just like, you know, put out framer stuff for designers, not overthinking it and not really expecting to get much out of it. Just like, Hey, well, what I can do here. And then that naturally led to getting more clients, as I said. So I think just like not overthinking it. I think also doing case studies. I mean, you you did a case study on our website, which I've heard so many people rave about. The one that you showed, I think it was for whereby where you showed the different components and how you structured them, which got people so excited. I'm like, oh my God, you know, designers are like, I want to know how to do this. But I think clients who saw that were like, oh my God, I want to manage my website this way. This is what we need. Honestly, I was looking at it (laughs) and I'm like, Dude, we need this. So we're now, we're, we're actually building the Flux Academy website right now. And we're doing it with Webflow, not with uh, Framer, but we're we're basically building it based on components. And I, I have to say, I took a lot of inspiration from what I saw there. So I do think that case studies are a great way to talk to clients and, and bring value to clients and then show them, you know, how, what you're getting at the end of the day. It's kind of like a peek, sneak peek into the, the outputs of, uh, of the work yeah so that's really cool yeah and really if you're putting out any content for designers and it's like here's how to make this thing at the end of it you're gonna you're gonna see a finished product or a finished like feature function whatever and it, all it takes is for a potential client to see that and be like oh i want that like they want the shiny things or they want the functional things or they want the organized things so you cover all those bases and you don't have to choose like oh i'm just going after designers it's like just put out that that really yeah. good helpful content and whoever's going to see it, you know, that might turn into something. Twitter is, is weird because it's, <laughs> I, I think it's one of the most interesting social networks today. Um, For sure. <laughs> but sometimes it's just like people are trying to do kind of like virtue signaling, like, oh, I'm smarter. I'm I'm nicer. I'm making more money. All that kind of stuff where it's. <laughs> it's been chaotic yeah. as of late, especially. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's entertaining at, at the least. And every but... time see, every time I want to comment, I'm like, am I am I by by commenting, am I a part of this? Now I'm trying to show that I'm smarter than them. And it's just like, ah, you can't you can't avoid it. But um, but it's fun and it's actually a great way to make friends within the community. So for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you told me uh that a lot of the people around you are winning right now and it's going really well for you, and that gets you excited. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that because <laughs> I know from from different people, again, I don't know if it's the the Twitter thing, but sometimes when people around you succeed, that actually leads to, oh, I guess I'm not good enough or maybe, oh, I need to be better or how come I'm not as successful and stuff like that. So it can, it can work both ways. How does it work for you? For sure. Yeah, I think the seeing other people win and getting like, down about yourself. I think that usually comes from seeing people when doing things that you want to do or that you think that you could do but aren't doing versus, you know, the people around you that are doing other things that you you don't have any interest in doing yourself or couldn't do whatever. It's a lot easier to like just be happy for them. But even so, the other the other side of things like yeah, if people are around you doing the same thing and being successful, one just obviously be happy for them. But two, it's like I mean, use that as inspiration. It's like that should be a case study of like how to do it. Or if you think like, oh, that person is, I'm more capable than that person. Well, it's like, okay, well now it should be super easy because you can see that it's that easy to do. Right. But no, the people around me, uh, I mean, my girlfriend right now, she's in, I'd say, I personally, I want to say the biggest band in Canada. Um, but if not like, definitely oh, nice. Top. Amazing. Um, yeah. Their new album's coming out Amazing. as of recording this, uh, in a couple of days on Friday. Yeah. They're just so you're actually, you're actually the boyfriend of the famous person. Yes. <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah uh they're called the beaches go check them out um an incredibly talented rock band nice. uh for women so talented and just like i'm the biased beaches, how do you spell that the beaches don't want like, to assume yeah uh t-h-e space b-e-a-c-h-e-s um yeah this really good music i'm biased but i'm i'm not biased. very cool it's, yeah um so yeah they're they're killing it um my sister is also putting out a bunch of music soon, um, also killing it. And seeing my friend, uh, like my good friend, put out uh, like a bunch of side hustles, and one of them is like, you know, soon enough it's gonna it's gonna pass his his main like job that he can probably focus all of his attention to, and just like you know, the ideas that come out of nothing, that where he's like making physical products. Uh, his product's called Hit Hero. Uh, it's like a baseball like thumb guard to remove like the the bat sting when you're swinging and making contact with the ball. So like he like taught himself like 3d design like made this uh just sculpt what's it called like the you know you, you pour the silicone in uh so he like printed it out he's like hand pouring all the silicone. mold yeah, yeah the mold yeah 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 so yeah he's like doing this all by hand oh, very cool like wow it's really diverse you've got a lot of talented people around you yeah and yeah it's awesome yeah and i just like love helping these people out where i can you think too. that's by that's by chance or uh no <laughs> i think it's like those are the people that I probably just kind of like attract to, right? Like that, like I keep around. Yeah. I, um, you know, the cliche, there's the, the cliche, like the, you are the average of the five people around you or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it sounds like you're in a really good position. Yeah. I, yeah. I definitely try to keep, keep good people around me and uh, hold ourselves accountable to like keep pushing ourselves forward and, you know, be each other's biggest fans. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. I have to say, I did not grow up in that. Not, not in that environment, but I just like my parents didn't have their own business or 
and my friends around me, a lot of them were just like getting jobs and stuff like that. And so it was weird for me. I didn't have kind of like inspiration. I had to really also curate kind of like the people who I want to be around me. So it was a long process, but I'm 40 now. So now I've got like cleaned up my social network to <laughs> yeah. just have people that <laughs> I want to be next to. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a thing with age. Like every year, it's just like you're taking a look at people around you and it's easier to, you know, stop hitting up the people that maybe you don't need to hit up and start hitting up more of the people that, um, you know, are good for you and good people. Yeah, for sure. When you, when you have kids, then you've got like zero time to waste on anything that's not top priority. So that's when a lot of the cleanup happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're about to be 30, super young. Yeah. Yeah. I just turned 29 last week. Yeah. I'm trying oh, to squeeze nice. out Happy everything birthday. I can before 30. Thank you. Um, but I also just realized that I, I really abide <laughs> Why? by Why? What happens at 30? It's just that marker. But I realized I abide by not the 10 point system, but the eight point. So I actually have three years until I'm 32. That's actually, that's, that's what I'm looking at. I don't know what happens at 32. Interesting. But... That's kind of like, a, is it the designer thing? Yeah. Like the eight pixel grade <laughs> type thing? <laughs> oh, nice. I remember when I was in my first advertising, you know, job. Again, I think I was like, I don't remember. Maybe I was 20. And that was the first time I had a friend who was 30. And I remember coming home and saying, hey, I've got a friend who's 30 and he's actually just like a regular guy. I was actually surprised that you don't die at 30. <laughs> now I'm 40 and I'm like, I don't know, I'm pretty young. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was talking to somebody about this literally yesterday. Like, yeah, we're getting younger. We're not getting older. Like, I remember like, obviously growing up, you you think of people like, as so much like so much older than they are but even just like looking back at like the past few decades like looking at photos of people that are like 40 or 50 they literally look like they're like 70 they just like it's just like the mentality of like you're this yeah. age you need to like be this this thing um but now it's yeah there's you can do anything at any age it's, it's incredible so what are your plans for the last year of your 20s <laughs> what are you trying to accomplish <laughs> uh I don't know. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to say no, you mentioned, goals, okay. But... So you mentioned, you mentioned, yeah, exactly. Let's talk about goals and planning and like, how do you do, how do you do that? How do you think about that? I don't know. I'm actually terrible at setting goals. Um, because I'm, I'm like, was anything of what happened to you so far planned or was some kind of a goal? Did you ever had a goal? You mentioned, I always knew I wanted to run my own business. So yeah, that's what I mean. That's kind of like, like a goal. No, I like, yeah, everything's very lofty. Where like there's that sweet spot between like over planning and not planning enough. So I think I just have like general directions I like to pull myself towards. But I think I do want to be better at like making like hard goals to reach. Um and maybe failing at some of those I think will feel good. because uh, I think that's a big part of like not setting goals is just like, you know, scared of, of failing and not hitting them. Um so yeah, just trying to pull myself in the right direction and probably hit like set some real goals to uh to aspire to. I have to say that I used to do kind of like yearly goals and I've, I've mostly always failed them at them. And I don't think it felt good or bad. And I think I read this book like many years ago about this. Oh, all of these people in this research who wrote down their goals were so much more successful than the people who didn't write down their goals. And I, I think I subscribe to that, but now I'm like, I think there's kind of like a general direction where you want to go. But the steps there, like, oh, this year I need to do X, Y, Z and earn that much money or something like that. 
and then that never never happens. That's not necessarily, I don't know if helpful, but I don't know. That never worked for me, I guess. I try to do it every year. I'm still doing yeah. yearly planning. I think the directional stuff is like, I think that's, I, I still write that stuff down. And I think it's more simple. Like I want to do yeah. this or I want to work with this or whatever it is. And I find a lot of times I'll write those things down in a notebook and I'll forget about them. And then I'll look through that notebook like years later and be like, oh, I did all these things. Right. Where it's not just the goal that yeah. like, it's a, this hard thing where it's like, you know, make a work back to like, you know, hit this goal. And then there's that those milestones or that the goal posts. But no, it's, it's good to just like write down just like you're just subconsciously living that every day and not getting too distracted by it. Yeah, it's weird. I had this. I think I did this exercise a few years ago where, you know, I wrote, how is your life going to look like in five years? And I wrote that down, like my my, my life, my family, all of that. And my life looks like I imagined them, but what I imagined for work is completely different. Like the business that I have right now, like having an online school and selling courses, I stumbled into that. Like five years ago, I would probably say something completely different. So it's weird. It's like you set these goals, you achieve somewhat in terms of I got to where I want to go, meaning I'm making more money in the life that I want. I'm living the lifestyle that I wanted, but the past there was really not what I imagined. Right. Um, so I think it's important not to be too kind of like fixed on it. Yeah, exactly. It's the sweet spot of just like having a direction and not over planning and not like just like wandering aimlessly. Because uh, even like just the existence of Framer alone, like really just changed. Like, I want to say that would change my life, but I mean, it, it definitely changed my career path and what I'm doing. Um, and you couldn't predict that probably 12, no, 12 months ago, or you can plan that. <laughs> no, exactly. And it it kind of goes to show you that you, when you plan, just like you could plan too small because these things that open up the, the floodgates can come out and then, you know, it totally changes things. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, you, I'm very grateful. Can you just highlight that, what changed? What changed because of Framer for you? Um, I think the biggest thing is obviously like just like the, the kind of stuff that I can take on and deliver. So like what it's doing for me as far as building sites, like I can just build the entire thing myself so that definitely like I can take on more work, take on a lot of it more myself. And, you know, that leads to more money and, and uh, some better quality stuff than I've, I've had experience with. And then the other thing is just like what it's done for me uh, as far as like social media goes and opening that platform and building a community and then having the opportunity to build like products to sell. So like, I mean, I, I made a, a template that like brought in uh, a few thousand dollars, but like that's not life-changing money, obviously, but it's just nice to have like knowing that I can make some passive income and and help people along the way. And then I built Framer Commerce, like the Shopify integration for Framer. That's something I've always wanted to do of like, building you know a, a product beyond just is that like a, do, a do are we do we have a video on this coming up on our channel right uh yeah i think i mean i'll say next week but i mean by the time this comes out it should be already on the on the channel right <laughs> <laughs> good yeah good <laughs> nice um, i'm not i'm not following the the content calendar calendar <laughs> but that sounds really really cool i'm actually looking forward to see that video because i'm excited about this yeah but like going back to this like the goals like i've if i go back to my notebooks i'll show you that one of my the things that i wrote down would was like build shopify themes and i've been i've wrote that down in my interesting in my book like probably Bef before decade, you knew before you were ago. into framer yeah like may maybe a decade ago or like oh, five wow. years ago like that was just an opportunity that i saw of like this is solid passive income that i can make but there's a bit of investment because i need to partner with the developer and this is gonna take a lot of time and like 
I don't know if it's going to get accepted in the Shopify store because I, I, I had no idea what that process looked like. It was just always in the back burner. And I've talked to a few people along the way that like were like, oh, yeah, maybe we'll do this. Um, but then now it's like this came along. And then I was chatting with uh, my friend just at a bar. We were just catching up. And he's like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard about Framer. He's like, oh, yeah, I love Framer. I'm like, cool. He's like, yeah, you want to build something? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, what ideas do you have? Because we always have a million ideas. I'm like, well, yeah, just, can we do Shopify? <laughs> He's like, yeah. We went home, texted me that night, and then he like just asked me a bunch of questions. The next morning, he's like, okay, so, and he's just like, she's like, yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> so yeah, like it, nice. it's funny so it's, how it's, you yeah, set those good. goals. When those. you write down, when you write down things like goals, then when you, yeah, as you've mentioned, like your subconscious is looking for that opportunity, and then when you when it comes and you can connect to it, um, yeah, and just patience. That's a very you know? cool story. Yeah, yeah. So what's on there right now? Like what's the, what's the next thing? What's the next goal? What are you working towards? Um, I think it's, it's a bit of a tangible goal and without putting numbers to it, I think what I'd like to do is for my passive incomes to be greater than my uh, like non-passive income. So I think that comes down to just like a, a probably a hard number of, of, of like per month of, of passive income. And that, that's again, more of the tangible thing, but going back to like the Shopify thing, like literally right now, my plate is I'm going to be building out like a bunch of templates for framer with the Shopify integration, which is like, it's almost too fun where it doesn't feel like work. And there's so many things that I can make where it's just like, I'm running around and like, I want to make this, I want to make this, I want to make this. And I'm just not being disciplined. So I just need to like buckle down and, and build that stuff out. I definitely want to like, just focus on more like Very nice. community and uh, yeah, give, giving stuff out. It'll be a lot of free stuff for sure. And then yeah, I realized too, like there's a, there's definitely a sweet spot of, of, uh, the audience of, of what I can do for framer of like that, like more intermediate to advanced stuff, um, as we've discussed as well, like with that, whereby, like the way that's set up, um, I think there's a lot of great, like beginner to intermediate level content out for framer. And I think there's some, definitely some stuff for the experts, but I think like packaging that up into something that, um, can provide a lot of value to. A lot of people that are just obviously like framer designers, but also on the, the client side of things, there's a lot of like teams that could benefit from that. So that that's, what's exciting me, yeah. but it might be the next thing. It's it's, I think you've made a kind of like an early bet on framer, which is starting to pay off and going forward. If framer is going to grow, which right now looks like it is going to grow, you're going to ride that success. So that's really, uh, looks like a great bet. You know, I I've made the bet on Webflow earlier on without realize i don't think you know it's oh i'm so smart <laughs> it just happened right it was kind of like the right the right thing at the right time for me personally but i i think i'm seeing this happening all over again with framer right now and you know looking at it from the side kind of i think you you and ryan and everybody that's in danny everybody that's in the framer space right now are making good kind of like early bet on something that looks like it's it's going to work. Yeah. So well done for picking that up and being early <laughs> on it. Thank you. But yeah, I, I mean, I've got a long way to go. I'm, I'm still terrible at social media. Like I, I don't post nearly as much as I, I should and can. I definitely get in my own way a lot. But yeah. Do, you, you've made, <laughs> you've said something which I think to me is key. You said building the stuff like the templates and those projects that you want to do right now literally doesn't feel like work. So go crank up at those. You know, for me, initially making videos did not feel like work. And so I was cranking them. I wasn't getting paid. I did that every single day. That was kind of like my hobby. Turned out later down the line that it paid off. But 
what I've learned from this is when you feel something that you're so excited about and you just want to do it, <laughs> even if you're not getting paid because it's play, go and do that. So don't let somebody tell you, oh, you definitely need to post on social media. No, you need to do, <laughs> you feel like doing <laughs> templates, go do the templates. <laughs> don't do what feels like work. Do the stuff that doesn't feel like work. Um, For sure. That's kind of like yeah. my two cents yeah <laughs> I, i'm definitely guilty of this though like a lot of people tend to get it their own in their own way in the sense of like assuming that everybody else knows what they know everybody's like is so good at you know at one thing and you just like you just assume other people are at the same level as you so like for example like i, I did a talk at a restaurants canada earlier this year about like how to get using your brand like elevating your brand to get people into your restaurant and bar that kind of thing and the talk was like pretty like high level just like brand stuff and like in it i kind of felt like I'm, i don't know if it's imposter syndrome but like i just felt like this isn't valuable information because like everybody kind of knows this but nobody really knows this like if you're running a restaurant it's like you didn't go to school for necessarily for like brand and marketing and business all that stuff so it's like obviously i'm going to bring value to you but like i'm just getting my own way because i just think that like i'm going to be up there and you're going to think that i'm just like this idiot repeating the same information that you already know uh same thing goes for twitter but like there will be a lot of people that look at your shit and be like, oh, well, yeah, this is so easy. But there's a much larger audience that are going to see that and be like, wow, that's really cool. That's really valuable. That helps me a lot. And that's what you got to remember when you're putting stuff out there because that's the key to actually like growing your stuff is like assuming that nobody knows anything. And that nobody's, honestly, nobody's going to judge you or anything like that. Yeah. Because a lot yeah. of times it's us thinking, oh, people are going to think I'm stupid. They're going to think I'm a poser. They're going to think I'm a whatever. And it's in your mind. Like, I want to say nobody cares, although sometimes people are harsh on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, I don't know. I think I was fortunate because for some reason I started on YouTube and people were always pretty kind in the comments. So I never... And all of my hate comments is about the fact that I'm from Israel. So, you know, sometimes people were like, you know, political stuff like, uh, but I didn't get that much hate. And I think, I don't know, might be harder on Twitter. People seem yeah. to, to be harder on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And it's also like when you get to a certain level, it's like if nobody's hating, then you're not, you're not at that level yet. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right, Matt. It was awesome to chat. Uh, dude. Congrats on everything you've achieved so far. Sounds amazing. Thank Sounds you. Sounds like you're going to have an amazing 29th year. <laughs> uh, we're definitely going to continue working together and partnering and doing cool stuff together. Amazing. Anything, uh, where do you want people to find you on Twitter, on mod site, where like any famous um, last words? Yeah, I think on on Twitter or x, x.com slash Matt Jumper. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> YouTube, same thing, just at Matt Jumper. Check out Framer Commerce, I guess. Framercommerce.com. And we'll put, uh, we'll put all the links. Yeah. Uh, no, that's it. I'm done. I'm done plugging myself. Go stream the beaches on uh, Spotify and Apple Music <laughs> and Amazon and all of them. <laughs> I'm going to do this right now. <laughs> all right, man. Cheers, my friend. Cool. Talk to Thank you soon. You. See ya.